You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, good morning and welcome to Riverview Church Online. I'm really glad that you are here with us this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're connecting with this video, it doesn't really bother me too much. Um, The fact is that you connect actually not with the video, not with me, not with what I'm saying, this isn't about me, but with the word of God. And I believe that there is a word in season, not just today, but every time we open the Bible uh, and seek to be honest and hear what God wants to say to us through it, I think is an opportunity for his spirit to move in our lives and move us, uh, you know, personally towards maturity in Christ. Now today is going to be slightly different. I'll make no apology for that and and there's two reasons why it's going to be slightly different this morning. The first one is that in all honesty I can't get used to the weirdness of this situation and I know Margaret, Ian, Andrew, every other pastor and, and preacher in the land would probably say the same thing. This is utterly uncomfortable and weird to to be preaching. I mean, it's a Friday afternoon and I'm in my living room preaching to an empty room. I've got no kind of feedback from anybody. And I'm I'm speaking to this tiny camera, trying to make sure I look there so that I look engaging because if I look at myself on the screen, it looks a bit weird. You know, every time I've preached over the last goodness knows how many months, I've really tried to kind of script it and stick to that and make it look like I'm not looking at my script to try and be as natural as possible. But the truth is, there's nothing natural about this. And and all of us feel the same. So today, you know, I'm just done with that. And I want to try and be as natural as as I can be. I'm not trying to force that. I'm just going to be natural. So please excuse if there are any gaps, if there's anything that I say that's a bit weird that I'd rather take back if I cough or or whatever you know just please ignore that I'm just going to try and go and and not pause or stop or anything like that the second reason uh, that this is going to be different today is that actually this is a word that was brought to us by one of our ministry leaders somebody on our MLT and um, and it's a word that this lady brought for the SLT she believed was for the SLT um, but I believe it's for the whole church as well. There's something in it for us. And that person was Rosie. I'll get to that word in a second. But first of all, there was a song that we just sang at the end of that playlist called Here Again. It's by Elevation Church. If you didn't connect with the playlist, just go, go into it and catch the last song. And I'll also post it in the connect group later on. And it starts with this line, I can't go back to the beginning and I can't control what tomorrow may bring. But I know here in the middle is a place where you've promised to be. Now, how relevant is that to us right now? I mean, does that resonate with you? We can't go back to the beginning. How we would love to go back to pre-March this year to where we were able to meet in church on a Sunday and encourage each other and fellowship with each other. How much I would love to preach to a room of people again and for it to be more natural. And yet we also can't control what tomorrow might bring. We don't know. And it keeps changing. And particularly now, it's uncertain as the virus seems to be kind of like doing that whole upsurge again but here's the promise and here's the encouragement we know right here in the middle of all that is a place where Jesus has promised to be he said behold I am with you always even to the end of the age that's in Matthew 28 and I believe that's uh, verse 20 Matthew 28 20 so here and now 
right in this space where we are, Jesus is here and he has purpose in it. So be encouraged. Now, now here's the word, and it's actually from Rosie, and I'm so grateful that Rosie did this. She, she woke up from a dream, and then when she woke up, she was singing a song of... You know, I would say I wish I was there, but that would be weird. But she was singing a song, Peter, James and John in a fishing boat. Now, I've never heard that song and I'd love to hear it. So, Rosie, if you would like to record that on your iPhone later and post it in the Connect group, I'm sure we'd all be obliged. And if you don't want to, maybe get Eddie too. I'm sure he'd be happy to do that. But, but here's the thing. Rosie woke up from that dream and she obviously felt that God was pressing something on it, through it, whatever. Uh, enough that she started to pray about it and on praying about it she felt that God had laid on her heart a word for the senior leader, uh, leadership team uh, which she sent to us and in that word there were three points that the Holy Spirit had laid on her heart to share with us and, and these were the three points. Uh, number one that this was a strange time in the lives of the disciples. I mean, it was a kind of in-between time. They, they'd left everything. They'd followed Jesus. Uh, they'd seen him raised again. They'd seen him since he'd been raised. Um, but he wasn't with them right at this moment in time, and they didn't know what to do. And so they went back to what they know, what they're familiar with. And at times like this, you know, many of us are in a place where we'll just kind of get on with what we're familiar with or go back to what we're familiar with. And even if we can't, we'll kind of hanker after it as well. But life had changed forever for these disciples. And Jesus was actually going to live the, uh, lead them into this new way of life as well. Second point was that these guys were expert. They were like professional fishermen. They knew where the fish would be. They, they knew how to use their nets. They were skilled and they'd been out all night. And that was actually common practice in, in those days that you would fish during the night so that you could land the catch in the morning and get the best price in the morning's markets. And yet all night they'd been toiling away and they'd caught nothing despite all of their professionalism, despite all of their acquired skill and all of their many years of experience. And so here they are, tired and frustrated, kind of beaten. And then this guy appears on the shore. Remember, they don't recognise him at first. And, and he shouts out, you know, like they're almost like a backseat driver. You know, why don't you cast the net over the other side? And the, the amazing thing is that they actually do, bearing in mind they don't recognise Jesus. And they cast the nets over the other side. You know, sometimes we think we know what we're doing. We think we've got the skills. We think we've got the experience, the professionalism, X, Y and Z. We've, we've done church for so many years. We, we think we've got how evangelism works and, and ministry works and things like that. Um, but we'll never catch fish if we're kind of just relying on our own expertise and strength. But they listened. These disciples listened to the man on the shore. The catch was amazing. And at that point, that's when they recognised that it was Jesus. They recognised who it was, who they were hearing. And then the third point was this, that after their toil, they were rewarded by a feast on the shore, a barbecue breakfast of fish on the shore, a great time with Jesus. And Jesus not only gave them the instructions, but he also provided the catch and he sustained them with a feast as well. And if we listen, this is the third point that uh, the Holy Spirit impressed upon Rosie, was that if we listen, trust God and act on what he says, he will give the task, he will give the means and he will give the sustenance so that we will see the catch. Why am I repeating this to you? Well, because I believe that this is a real word for the church. And here we are at this weird time 
Uh, and even if it wasn't for COVID, I mean, how many years have we been doing the next evangelistic kind of thing, the next course, uh, the next kind of suggested outline or structure for evangelism, the next great thing? Uh, and yet, how much of a catch have we ever seen there? Uh, and it kind of feels like we've been all night toiling away with every kind of ounce of our resources, every ounce of our knowledge and skills and cleverness, and yet we've still come up short. And that's why I think this is relevant. And, and I think it's a word to encourage all of us, not just the leaders, but everybody in the church today. So I want to have a quick look at this scripture and then we'll just dig into this a little bit today before we really apply it to it right where we are and right who you are. So we're going to go to John. It's chapter 21 and we're going to be reading from verse one. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, uh, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and, uh, 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 sorry, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Remember the road to Emmaus and how he walked with a couple of disciples and they didn't know who he was. And it's the same here. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. That's John, by the way, who said it is the Lord, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had stripped down for work. And he threw himself into the sea. He put his garment on because he wasn't going back to fishing after this point when he recognised it was Jesus. He took everything with him. The other disciple came into the boat. Uh, sorry, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out onto land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. I mean, it's incredible that Jesus already had fish. They were landing the catch. Jesus already had some fish anyway. He didn't really need the catch. And there was some bread there too. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. That's grace right there. Bring some of what you've done. So Simon Peter went um, aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. I mean, that must have been a massive recognition point as well. And so with the fish. And now this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I mean, what an incredible passage. I love the, the bluntness of Peter. I mean, we all like how Peter behaves sometimes. You know, he's first out of the boat every time. And, you know, he's the real leader of the group. I mean, he says, I'm going fishing. And they're like, yeah, all right, we're, we're, we're coming with you. 
Now, here's some things that I feel, you know, expanding on what Rosie's kind of felt the Holy Spirit was prompting. Firstly, this was a strange time. I mean, it was in between resurrection and ascension. It's pre-Pentecost. And everything that they had done over the previous kind of three years in ministry with Jesus had kind of been stripped away. And they were in unfamiliar territory. They'd learned how to be with Jesus. But right now, at this point, he couldn't be seen and they'd seen him on other occasions but he just kept kind of disappearing maybe you feel like that maybe you feel like God keeps disappearing out of your view and then in between instructions because he told them to go to Galilee he said I will go ahead of you and meet you in Galilee and sometimes in the waiting we can find it really hard I mean, they'd followed instruction, they'd done what Jesus asked, they'd turned up where he told them to be, but they couldn't find him there. And yet Jesus had said that he would go before them. Now, perhaps sometimes we've, we've followed where we thought God was leading us, only to get to this like wide open field uh, before us. And we're like, where are you, God? What, what am I supposed to do here? I don't understand anymore. And so these were strange times, and I think we are in these kind of strange times where what we've been familiar with and comfortable with in church and what we long for isn't a possibility right now. And, and even if we can meet on a Sunday, it's still in such a weird kind of way. And it is honestly, it's breaking our hearts right now. And yet God is still here. Even if we can't see him right now in the midst of it, he is still here in the midst of this strange time. And so what do we do when we thought we were following correctly, but, but we find ourselves in like a strange, silent, uncertain place? What do we do there? How, how quickly do we kind of fall back on what we know when we face uncertainty? How quickly do we turn back to what we're familiar with or, or hanker back to days where we, we kind of thought through rose coloured specks that it was a better time you know how often do we kind of lean back on our own skills or experience the things that we're confident in the things that we're comfortable with with uh, ultimately with self-reliance when we can't see God we, we turn to what we know when we cannot see or recognize God in our circumstances I mean I do the same thing you know, these were expat fishermen, they were working hard and they knew exactly what to do and yet still they caught nothing. You know, whether their motives were good or bad, and there's nothing wrong with being skilled. There's nothing wrong with using those skills. There's nothing wrong with experience and there's nothing wrong with using that experience and there's nothing wrong with knowledge and there's nothing wrong with using that knowledge. But, but their knowledge and their skills and their experience and their expertise, whether their motives were good or bad, were unproductive at this point in time. You know, all that we would see and recognise Jesus on the shore of our circumstances right now. You know, we might feel at sea in our lives. We might feel completely kind of adrift somewhere. And where we find ourselves is uncomfortable, uncertain, and we can't see Jesus. But listen to this, not for one minute was I forsaken. Not for one moment has Jesus left you. Not for one moment has Jesus left his church alone. He is still here. He is still active. And here we are in this place where we don't know what to do. So what do we do with that? 
Well, like Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, his prayer is, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You know, it's about where our dependence is. Right now, our effectiveness as church and as individual believers depends on where our dependence is, whether we are God-dependent or self-reliant. You know, self-reliance is always a dead end. It is never going to get us very far. God-dependence is always a journey that is well-resourced that will lead us home. Are you self-reliant? In these circumstances, are you kind of, I don't know, like you want to phone a friend or something like that? You, you know how to get help. You know how to get out of your own circumstances. You know, you're in financial trouble. So what do you do? You, you have to ask somebody or you're not sure what to do in these circumstances. So you get some advice from somebody. Are we self-reliant or are we God dependent? And self-reliance will always be an unproductive dead end. Whereas God dependence will always lead us to a path of wholeness and fruitfulness. Do you have anything? That's what Jesus says. Do you have any fish? Have you caught anything? Here's the thing. Jesus knew that they had caught nothing. He already knew that they had caught nothing the whole night. Why did he ask them, have you caught anything? Why did he bother verbalising that? Why didn't he just say, hey guys, you've not caught anything. Why don't you chuck your nets over the other side and I'll land you a great catch? The reason he asked the question is because they needed to verbalise and admit that they were not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. And until we get to a place where we realise that, we are always going to be banging our head against the wall, coming to the, the end of our own limitations, the end of our experience, the end of our knowledge, the end of our skills. They will all uh, fall short at some point. They will all let us down at some point. We need God dependence, not self-reliance. And he wants us to recognise that. He wants us to acknowledge that before him, that our, our limitations and our weaknesses, in order to bear fruit, we need to remain in him as he is in us. And, and without him, we can do nothing. You know, if, if you try and go out and be a light into the world in your own steam, in your own power. It's not going to be productive. It's not going to be fruitful. And ultimately, it's just going to frustrate and tire you out. Whatever we do from this point on, it has to be God dependence fully, totally, even ridiculously. It needs to be dependent upon God because he's our provider. He's our source. He's our strength. He's our accomplishment. If, if we listen and if we will yield and surrender to him. And then the third thing is that he is also our provision. Because this stuff like skills, experience, knowledge, learning, all of this kind of stuff, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to have that stuff. It's not wrong to, to increase that. And it's right that we should gain experience. It's right that we should grow spiritually. It's right that we should look to gain understanding. I think Anselm of Canterbury said, faith seeking understanding. That's we start from a position of faith, but we apply to that wisdom and knowledge and we try to understand the faith that we hold to in the first place. It, all of that stuff's not wrong, but it's just not sufficient on it its own it's not enough unless he comes but but these disciples listened and they obeyed and because of that the catch was absolutely phenomenal it was amazing and, and then they knew who they were hearing you know I, I think probably 
they're instantly remembering, like, duh, that the previous incident when, when they were initially called. And this time Jesus was in the boat with them because he'd commandeered it to preach and then told them to push out into the deep to catch fish. And they caught such a great load of fish on that occasion, this is in Luke 5, that they had to call other boats to come and help them pull it ashore. And at that point, Peter goes, wow, I'm a sinful man and you are clearly my Lord and my God and you must leave me because I'm too sinful. There's a massive realisation here of who Jesus is and of who he is, that his self-reliance is not enough. That God dependence is the only thing that's enough. And we'll look at that probably in a couple of weeks time as well. You know, there's such a harmony here between the calling of the disciples and then this moment in between the resurrection and the ascension just before Pentecost. And I think this is a pivotal moment for them where Jesus reasserts his calling for them to be fishers of men. This morning, will you hear the Lord reassert his calling upon your life? You know, calling isn't about I'm called to be a pastor I'm called to be a prophet, I'm called to be you know, a healer, whatever it is. Your calling, if you are in Christ, if Christ is in you, you have a calling on your life. I cannot stress that to you enough. That there, there is no passive Christianity, it doesn't exist, it's not a real thing. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a calling. Will you hear him reassert that over you and reaffirm that over you today? Because yes, you may not be enough, but that's okay because none of us are enough unless he comes and fills us. You know, when we've listened and when we act in obedience, even when it seems like a strange request, then we will see his outworking in our lives and the net will take the strain. We might feel that we've not got enough, that our equipment, that our resources, that our buildings are not enough if there was a massive harvest. We might feel that, well, I feel like I, I haven't got enough in my words, in my wisdom to, to keep pastoring a church. Like, when will I run out? And the thing is, if I rely on my strength, if I rely on my skill, if I rely on what I've learned, I'm going to run out really quick. But if I keep listening and obeying and hearing the voice of God and acting upon what he says, no matter how ridiculous, then I know that the nets will hold. You know, it's he and not us who is the Lord of the harvest. We are the workers in the field and yet he's the Lord of the harvest. And, you know, I love this point. The fish on the barbecue, we, we get there to breakfast with Jesus. He provides the big catch. He tells them how to do it. He is the miracle worker in that. But also they get to the shore and they find that he's already provided for them. That everything that they need, the breakfast that they need, the encouragement, the fellowship, uh, the love that they need is, is found right there in Jesus Christ. He is our, our sustenance. I mean, how many initiatives, how many training seminars, how many evangelistic drives have we pursued and put in place and tried to kind of follow? God doesn't need our skill. He, he doesn't need our knowledge. He doesn't need our professionalism. He doesn't need our resourcefulness or our can-do kind of attitude. He doesn't need any of that. He requires our waiting and our listening and our trusting and our obedience it's not that that other stuff's wrong keep increasing that but don't rely on that rely on this wait upon the lord because those who wait upon the lord will renew their strength listen out for his voice because when you listen you will hear his voice and when you hear his voice trust it and obey it 
because he will be faithful. Now, as I wrap up, and I appreciate I've gone on a little bit longer today, but, you know, as I wrap up, I think that prayer is worth more than technique. I think obedience is, is worth more than experience. I think that trust is worth more than traditions. And I think that faith is worth more than familiarity. I'm going to say all of that again because I think this is important. I think prayer is worth more than technique. I think obedience is worth more than experience. I think trust is more important than tradition. And I think faith is more important than familiarity. You know, this one name initiative, we're asking you to pray for one person every day for a year. Please, please do that. It's not about our skill and our experience. It's not trying to format a new way of doing evangelism. Do you know what the one name initiative does? It puts it all onto Jesus. It puts it all into trusting him. It puts it all into his permissive and perfect will. It's saying, Lord, please save this person. Lord, please do this work. I can do nothing without you. I'm not enough unless you come. It's about God dependence. That's what one name is about. It's about God dependence and not self-reliance. And, you know, I want to encourage you with this. It's a comfort to know that even if, if in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of weird times, we do try to fall back on what we're familiar with, our skills, our knowledge, our expertise and stuff, Jesus will still turn up on the shore and refocus us. And that's such a wonderful blessing. The, the encouragement is, for all of these years of trying, all these years of yearning, all these years of praying, all the years of tiredness and frustration with it as well, you know, this is not a dead end. Hallelujah. This is not a dead end. This is not defeat. This is not a lost cause. This is not something that we need to give up now. This is not pointless. As God says to Jeremiah, he says, get up, get dressed for work. Do what I ask of you. Get out there. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. I will go before you. That's a promise to us as well today, because all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ. So guys, this place, Right here and right now, the Lord is in this place. Right here, right now, is a place where he has promised to be. Behold, I'm with you always. We know that he's true to his promises. My prayer for you this morning as I close is this, that we may see and recognise Jesus on the shore. And as we do that, we will hear and act upon his instruction. Bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today. In Jesus' name, amen.